And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. How do you get dressed in the morning? One pant leg at a time. DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. One pant leg at a time. I'm more just curious. Yes. You do seem like the type that would just jump in two legs, though. You would just try to do it all at once. One smooth motion. That seems like your your speed. You see. Speed. Yes. But you forget that I, in my entire life, have never made one smooth motion. So were I to were I to jump, yeah, yeah, all right. Were I to jump, I would most certainly perish. Um, I you know I I do you know sometimes do the like you fall back on the bed and you just kick your feet in the air and you try to like pull them on that way. But uh, I'm just more you know I was. I was getting dressed this morning, and I thought about you as I have thought about you often this week, and we'll get to Doc Manson's return to the workforce uh, momentarily. And I was, I'm was i just curious, you know, uh, do, you, do you put the pants on before you put the shirt on? Does the shirt go on first and then the pants? Does it really depend on what's closer? Um... I mean, I would say uh, typically the underwear goes on first. Yeah. Followed by socks, followed by pants, okay. followed by the shirt, and then proceeding to the shoes. Uh, I tend to wear a lot of jeans, and mm-hmm. I'm not the, I, I mean, to begin with, I'm not one, one of the most flexible human beings in existence. So I, I, I tend to like to try to tackle the socks before the jeans are on the legs because I find it to be easier um, in my old ineptitude. That is an excellent uh, point, actually. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and and then I will say I probably am more likely to put the pants on before the shirt, Mm -hmm. probably. Although when I undress in the evenings, it's the opposite. Are the pants the first thing to come off? No, shirt. Shirt's the first thing to come off. Now, are you an undershirt? It's the reverse order, but it's the reverse order. Are you an undershirt wear? Depends on what I am wearing. Um, these days, I mostly wear T-shirts or a polo. Sure. So not, not so much with the undershirts these days. Okay. All right. Back in the day when I would wear a full button down, that was the sort of thing that would that would have an undershirt for sure. I, I do the undershirt now. Granted, summer is different, but when I'm working, I will do an undershirt no matter what I'm wearing. Polo shirt, t-shirt, gotta have something on underneath. Is that a a sweat or perspiration related issue, or is it just comfort? Yes. Gotcha. Have you ever tried um, the clinical deodorants that they sell? Um, you can get them in the in 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 the in your typical Mega Mart. They, they they tend to sell them. Like Degree has one, Gillette has one. They call them usually clinical strength or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and the idea is um, they're much more effective at closing the pores than your typical deodorants. 
And usually they, they say on them, you know, good for 48 hours or 72 hours because you're not supposed to apply them every day. And in fact, you read the instructions, they'll tell you also. I don't know if you, I think regular deodorants may tell you this too. I, I, I don't know. Or I'm sorry, antiperspirants may tell you this. Um, it tells you to, to apply at night before you go to bed. You don't put any on when you get up in the morning, although uh, uh, I would recommend a deodorant at that time as opposed <clears throat> to an antiperspirant. Mm. Um, I find that those work very well. Uh, particularly the first 24 hours after application. Um, that's mm. my secret. That's my <clears throat> Yeah, no, it is more a, it is more comfort than perspiration, though there is that, especially in the hotter uh, times of year. <clears throat> it also is just, you know, I, I have started to wear some slightly longer uh, shirts, but when you have a, a protruding stomach, I'm not going to say, ah. you know, the, the shirt can get a little... You, you lift sure. your arms up to write on the board and all of a sudden everyone's like, look, he has tummy hair. And <laughs> <clears throat> yes, he so, does, children. So yes, he does. The undershirt mitigates that quite a bit. What, so. what about so do you tuck the undershirt to ensure that uh, there is nothing? I that, start out that I start out the day with the undershirt tucked. OK, and then anytime I use the restroom, uh, I tuck it in. Um, the retuck. I, I retuck. Uh, having said that, by the, it is there are times that by the time I've made it up the small flight of stairs and down the hallway back to my classroom, it is now untucked. Because again, that is also an issue with with the with the stomach is that you know. But uh, what do you, do you have problems in the reverse in the po- the posterior? Uh, do do you ever get uh, uh, children going? He's a plumber. Look no. at look at that butt crack. Nope. No, no <clears throat> that problems is not, there. That is not an issue, but at least once a year, I have a kid who will either give me a hug or uh, do the Pillsbury Doughboy. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's got to be the worst. You just must want to punch that child. Well, you probably wouldn't punch the child. You're much more even-tempered. You, of course, <clears throat> deserve to be a teacher, and I don't have the mentality no. for it, but if it were me, <clears throat> no, oh my I, God, my first I, instinct. I chuckle. Uh, and then um, go into my little coat room area and, and just cry. I just cry. Just weep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Open when you me. chuckle, do you go hee hee or do you? No, I, I very much tried to avoid that because if I did that, oh, that would be all. That would that, just reinforce would be, the behavior. Would, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. We, right. talk, we talk about what are polite and impolite things to say to other people. and <clears throat> But uh but yes, no. So I was just curious. Uh, the conversation we had, I think it was last week, about contact numbers in phones, or maybe it was two weeks ago. We got some responses. I think a lot of people kind of, again, split the difference, first name, last name in phones. But a lot of people do identify their parents as mom and dad or mum and dad in, for our UK brethren. Um, so now I'm just interested, how do you dress in the morning? What is like the last thing I put on is whatever shirt I'm wearing. Even after the shoes. Uh, yeah, I'll walk around in my undershirt. No, the shoes I try to keep because we're trying to keep the rug clean. I will try. Okay. The shoes get put on as close to leaving the house as possible. Do, do, you, do you leave them next to the door? Yes, we have a little shoe rack by the door. So that's what the first thing you do when you walk in is you kick off your shoes. Mm. So I feel like there, there's, there is a segment of the population that would consider you a monster. For wearing shoes in the house, um, 
I, I don't think I subscribe to that. In fact, it, I, <clears throat> I will often wear shoes in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really have a point other than to say, I'm sure there are many people out there that now think I am a monster. So yeah. there you go. Every so often I will, you know, either forget or I just don't want to, you know, if, if I have to use the bathroom, kicking off the shoes is five seconds that I don't want to waste. <clears throat> but I try to take them off. The, the issue is if I like go out, you know, I go out and bring out trash or I go put something in the car and then come back in. I am not taking off my shoes again, only to put them back on two minutes later to leave. So in that, oh, instance, here's another question. Sure. You tying those shoes every time you put them on and off. Oh, tying, no, untying. They're already tied. I, I, I destroy the heels of my shoes. It's, it's something that irritates my wife is that, you know, I don't even try to loosen it. It's just, nope. I, I, <clears throat> I started doing the, when I wear jeans, if I have, they're not even dress shoes, but I have some laceless shoes and I can't find any sneakers in my size that are laceless. So I'm just like, I tied them once and that's it. Yeah. If what I could get you? away with tying my shoes, but once for their entire lifetime, I yes. would, I would. Yeah. At most I'm probably tying do- them three or four times. That's it. I have debated their entire life. I, I remember, you know, some high school teachers, probably history teachers, given that sort of person, they would wear like the Birkenstock clog type things. And I used to think that was ridiculous. I no longer think so. I'm like, that's brilliant. Cause you don't even need to like worry about, you know, cause there are times you have to like pull at the heel of your shoe to like slip your foot in. Maybe that's just me. Um, I'm just thinking of Birkenstock sandals now, and I'm wondering no. if they come in your size. Probably. But uh, no, I'm talking about the closed toe clog yeah. type thing. Not a crock. I'd like to see you in no. the sandals with the white socks pulled up to your ankles and, and you know, the size 37 um, triple wides that you would need to, to slip onto those bear paws. I, 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 I wear a 12... 6E, and I believe each Whoa. E stands for extra wide. <laughs> wow. So um, I think I think I don't know if that's true though. I think I think I think four is D, which is like the normal one. So I think six is just like double wide. Oh, it could be. Either way. I think. I think. Yeah. Um <clears throat> since we're on the subject, uh black socks or white socks or both. Does it depend on the uh, shoe? Both. Dep- it depends. Um, typically, typically, I'm not I'm not wearing any sort of dress clothes that necessitate a black or dark colored sock. Yep. Um, so for the most part, I, I do it by seasons, which is to say. The summer, I will wear a low cut sock, practically mm-hmm. a, a no show with my sneakers, you know, yep. and those tend to be white. Um, during the winter, when I'm looking for more coverage, I- I'll wear some of those, you know, high wool percentage socks that I think we've talked about on the show before, and those tend to be gray or black. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, I'm I'm wearing the jeans with them, probably. So, are you? Al- I think I've asked this question before. Are you allowed to wear shorts in the lab? Uh, no, no shorts in the lab. Okay. So I wear jeans uh, pretty much every day of yeah. my life that I go to work. I I will wear cargo shorts or jeans. We're getting like as we people know we're getting a new uh, administrator. Everyone's like, are they going to institute a dress code? And I said, if they do, they should expect a bunch of us to just quit. 
what you want us to wear <laughs> dress pants i'll get paid extra to go do that somewhere else thank you yeah um, fair enough fair enough yeah no i have i have decided i have one kind of white sock and one kind of black sock and i have just bought a lot of each cuz i hate doing the mix and match and you got to try to figure it out so i've just i threw out all of this stuff that doesn't go and just bought a bunch so that way it is easier. So now that we have discussed wardrobe for probably far too long, uh, Doc, I have not spoken with you. I sent you a, a message of love on Monday because I did think of you having to get up at a regular hour or close to a regular hour and slog off to, you know, actually work in your office. I was on uh, your campus today briefly. Had I had a little more time, I would have stopped at your office, uh, but I was just passing through. Um, how, how's it been rejoining the, having to leave the house to go to work? Um, it's been fine, you know, not great, but I'd prefer not to obviously, but yeah, you know, fine. I would like to point out though, your, your, your encouraging text on Monday morning. uh, And I quote, hope you made it into work with a smile on your face End quote. Yes. Message of love, well, huh? Is it, that's not encouraging. That's how we sh- we express our love. Oh, yeah. Well, I suppose. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's been okay. Uh, it's been an adjustment for sure. But it, it, is what, it is what it is. The thing that I hate most about it is, you know, we're supposed to be back at work. And I feel like the place is still a ghost town. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people not there. Like, very clearly not there. And I'm just like, why, why am I here? Um, And like, even like things like, you know, this is going to sound ridiculous to some people because a lot of people go to work and they're at work and they slog away for their entire shift and they go home. But, but, you know, I I will say, you know, I I have the, the luxury of working where I do. And, you know, for example... You know, I've got to walk from building to building, depending on uh, what course I'm looking in on. Um, there are normally cafes open on those mm-hmm. walks where you can stop, get yourself a coffee if you like, that sort of thing. So again, a luxury. I, I recognize that. Not everybody can do that while they're on the clock, so to speak. Um, but yeah, like all those cafes are still closed. They have mm-hmm. no one manning them. They're closed at least through... Um, the start of the semester. So it will be at least a couple of more weeks before they're open at all. Um, some of them are being closed down permanently based off of a message that went out today. So like, I, I, again, I'm just like, I thought the day that everybody had to go back was, was, was the day I went back, but I Does feel like to be the case. No, it really does not seem to be the case. I feel like I'm one of the only ones there. Um, Well, yeah. uh, hey, hopefully things will start to open up. I noticed I was uh, at the other end by our old uh, dormitory, uh, which is now much fancier than it used to be. And just is it doing a where the you know, there's a there's like a little town center that's built up. Oh, with oh I the thought you meant the dorm was fancier. No, like, no. The dorm looks improved. Ex- the, dorms. the dorm looks exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, no, but I was more referring to just the yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you know that area of and 
there are like 50% of the places I drove by were empty. Yes, but I mean, part of that is because all of that real estate there is owned by a mega conglomerate organization that isn't even like in the state. Like it's not owned by the university. It's, it's owned by a business because that was the deal that was made at that time. And the thing that I don't think anybody realizes is those businesses are not as profitable as you would think. Um, mm-hmm. There are many months, months out of the year that their main clientele are not present. So you have to be able to weather months at a time doing almost no business. Um, yeah. And the rent is astronomical in those places. And, and, and again, this is a company, a conglomerate that bought the real estate there out of state. Somewhere someone is looking at a ledger and they don't care that they're not bringing in the rent money. They bought all of that because of the value of the land and the proximity to the university. That's the value for them. As a giant conglomerate, they don't care if the storefronts are empty. It really makes almost no difference to their bottom line, given how large they are. So they have no incentive to do things like, say, lower the rent to a sustainable level that would be able to maintain a thriving uh, business uh, sure. population there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not really surprised that it's gone the way it has, and it looks like it's only going to get worse. Well, and it also looks like, you know, there are all of these businesses and then above them are three or four floors of apartments, many of which look completely vacant. And I understand people haven't moved in yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of those apartments were empty too, especially since I know the rent is also astronomical. Indeed asking it is. A co- asking a college student to pay two or $3,000 a month in rent is ridiculous. Very ridiculous. But- yeah. So I yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy mm. times over there, that's for sure. Um is, I will is. say, you know, going back to campus now is the right move. Like I mean, I I'd be tempted to say, well, nobody else is here. I should just stop going in, but with classes starting up in short order, you know, being back on the ground, getting into the spaces, you know, turning the computers on, turning the equipment on checking things out, seeing what's broke over the course of the last 18 months that nobody's been there, what's working, what's not working, getting all that stuff addressed now while there's a little bit of time um, has ultimately been a good use of my time these last few days. Although, you know, now my other job is suffering because I have a lot of preparation to do that other position. And I was making great headway on that when I was at home last week. Yeah. Um, but this so week, enough. I've gotten almost none of that done. So it's. That sucks, but eh, mm-hmm. eh, whatever. I don't care. Well, we will check in. I'm sure Mrs. Manson will pop by at some point to either drop off something for you or to take the trash out. And when Doubt that it. happens. Oh, 48 trash is right. out at the curb. She's, she's not going to come up with, you know, some sort of brownie that she made for you. I hope so, but. I mean, I doubt it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put any requests. In. <clears throat> All right. Well, at some point we will ask how it feels. Cause you know, she is still home. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get an update from her at some point. Uh, we're going to go slightly out of order because one of our favorite people uh, and a supporter of that garbage promotion that you were referring to some weeks ago, uh, Jeremy sent us an email at podcast at ddtwrestling.com, and the title is Question to Open the Show. 
And so he reached out to me and he was like, Hey, I'd like, you know, it would be great if you opened with this. I think that would be a great way to start the conversation. And in my head, I'm like, no, I'm already asking doc how he dresses in the morning. <laughs> like the opening is set. Okay. So, yeah. so, but now that we are, we are, about to enter the wrestling portion of the DDT wrestling experience. Uh, we will turn to Jeremy's email question to open the show, hoping this question gets answered prior to the regular banter. Sorry. Indeed. This is of utmost importance. We cannot wait. We must know several days ago, doc posted on Twitter that he watched that rampage gimmick. And unless I was in the midst of a fever dream, which isn't impossible, I seem to recall him saying that he liked it. What made him take a flyer on it? What was it about the show that he liked? What did he see on Rampage that would make him go back again? What did he see that he doesn't necessarily see on other professional wrestling shows? Maybe I'm overhyping it, but it seems like a momentous phase shift for Doc to watch a non-PPV wrestling show. And that's not a bad thing. There must be something behind it. Sent from my iPhone. Uh, so yeah, you know, Dr. Manson, you watched on your, of your own volition. Uh, some wrestling. Why don't you tell us about it? What what led you to to watching Rampage? Uh, the thing that led me to watching Rampage. I mean, I'd like to say what what led me to watching Rampage is it was the first episode of a new show by this upstart promotion, AEW. You know, they're expanding out. I saw the first episode of Dynamite. I wanted to be there to see the first episode of Rampage, you know, be there to say I was kind of witness history as this company establishes itself. Um, but that's not true. Uh, what is true is I heard uh, that spoiler alert, spoiler alert, skip forward at least 30 seconds if you don't want to hear the some of the results of AEW Rampage episode one. Uh, I heard that Christian Cage uh, won uh, the Impact title from mm -hmm. Kenny Omega and in the opening bout, no less. And I said, I owe it to myself to watch that match. I like Christian Cage. He's been, you know, uh, one of my longtime favorites, I think, of the business. And desperately, un well, uh, let's just say almost completely unused in his last run with the WWE. Um, the fact that they were going to do anything with him was surprising to me in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I want to see this. I want to see that match. And you know what? I like Christian Cage. Uh, maybe he'll be able to convince me that there's something to this Kenny Omega fellow who, well, I'm serious. I'm serious, though. I know Kenny Omega is this big, huge, popular indie star. But uh, mm -hmm. between you, me, and the wall, and I guess Jeremy, since he's probably the only other one listening here, um, I've never been impressed with Kenny Omega. I, but that that's because you know me. I'm not a huge, I'm not hugely into it just for the wrestling. And so, I've never watched a promotion deeply enough that he was in to get invested in it. So these individual matches of him, him and there, and just sort of seeing his general demeanor was never something that that ignited anything in me. Um, but clearly, um, a lot of indie wrestling fans do like this guy. And I said, well, you know, this might be a good opportunity to see what that's all about. And I was really only planning on watching that match. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the show starts up and they've got a huge 
commentary table. There's four people on commentary on the show. There's Mark Henry, um, the world's strongest man, for those of you not in the know. Um, There is Chris Jericho, uh, who uh, I I think he's a front man for some sort of of small-time rock group, I think, is is where he comes from. Um, then there was Excalibur, who who is some guy uh, in a luchador mask, and yeah. finally there was Taz, uh, who I have not seen on commentary since uh, since his days in TNA, and of course uh, he was probably part of the greatest announced team uh, in the history of SmackDown. I'm speaking, of course, of Taz and Michael Cole um, during the period in which his only competition was JR and Jerry the King Lawler and Jerry the King Lawler. Everything he touches turns to shit. Um, so by default, he was part of the greatest uh, commentary team of his era. But yeah, um, and here's the thing. The thing I was not anticipating, that commentary team did a hell of a good job of explaining to me what the story was mm-hmm. between Christian Cage and Kenny Omega. Yep. They... They sold me on Don Callis as uh, as this manager figure that's come into Kenny Omega's life. They 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 sold that idea to me in a way that I cared about. They they they, they called the match in an entertaining way. Who was who was being a sneaky dog? <laughs> um, who was being a sneaky dog? That might have been Fuego del Sol. I can't okay. remember it wasn't anymore. Even, it wasn't Omega or. I, yeah, I, well, it could have been Christian, but I'm not 100% <clears> sure. <throat> I'm not 100% sure who it was. Um, but yeah, they did a really good job. Way better than any WWE uh, video package could ever do. The reason why is because a video package comes on on WWE yep. and I stop paying attention. Mm. Even if I try to pay attention, the editing, the cuts, the way that, they 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 put those together. They're designed for somebody with, with with no attention span. And I understand. I just said I turn I stop I tune it out. But it's because of the way those are presented. Um, they're not engaging to me, and, and it's just noise to me. Okay. But these guys, they introduced it as part of their introductory talk while the show was opening, while people were coming to the ring, while the action was going on. And so I was engaged at multiple levels at the same time. Same thing with WWE. When the WWE, when a match starts, for the most part these days, their commentary is terrible, not worth listening to. Here, the match was good. I was entertained visually. And I was being stimulated orally, A-U-R, you know, by this commentary team who put it all together beautifully. I knew what was happening, why it was happening why I should care. And it just all came together. It really, really did. Those guys were good. Yeah. Mark Henry was a little bit, um, a little bit, you know, not great at commentary, but even, even still he had, you know, a a, a good, he had a good voice, um, for it. And, you know, he, he, the thing I say, he wasn't very good at it because I feel like he stumbled a little bit more with his words than other people. But even that I think is 100% forgivable because, when he talked, he you listened to him. He he talked at a slower rate than everyone else. So but so he drew out 
what you were listening to in a way that made you listen to him. You know what I mean? And and that that worked, especially in contrast okay. to some of the more speedier talking people on on the commentary group. And that honestly continued throughout the show. Like that match was great. And then they'd start building up Miro and they start building up this Fuego del Sol thing. And Fuego del Sol, I've never heard of Fuego del Sol. I didn't know who he was, but I know he's Sammy Guevara's friend now. I know he's been showing up and losing on all the dynamites, basically, in all their events all year long. He's a crowd favorite. They love him. He's this underdog character and he's fighting this monstrous man for a contract. There's a clear gimmick. There's a clear buy-in. They explained it to me. He's likable enough just at face value. Miro, again, somebody I know helps me get into the match. I know Miro. I like Miro. I Again, this is a guy who ultimately I've liked for a while and who I would say was very underutilized during his last sure. run with the other company. So that, again, it just, it helps me get engaged initially. And then they, they just, they ran with it. They, I knew exactly what the story was, why it was happening, why I was supposed to be invested. And as a result, I was invested and it was good. And then we went right. on to Britt Baker and, and, and um, who did she face? Um, Red Velvet, I think. And even there, like, it was a good match. It was good women's wrestling and there was a story and it was told and then there was these people coming back at the end who i didn't necessarily know who they were but they did a good job sort of at least of getting me interested enough to learn more about who this jamie hater person is because i don't actually know who she is i've heard the name but i don't really know who <clears throat> she is is she the one that everyone thought was becky lynch for a minute because she had red hair yes yes um but okay. yeah like and that was ultimately it. It was this it was under an hour because I wasn't watching with commercials. And it was just this really well sold and put together piece of wrestling. Like again, I only planned on watching that first match, but I yep. liked it and I kept going. And I kept going right. and I finished the show and it was good. I have I have a series of uh true false questions. You're welcome to expand upon, of course. Question 1. Uh did you come away from Rampage a fan of Kenny Omega. True. You said there were true false Ish. questions. Then you asked me a question that's not <clears throat> really able to be responded to with true or false. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I would say that I can, that I now find yes least, or no question. This iteration of the character, I understand. I understand sure. his motivation. I understand that he's got, especially with the manager thing here. There's a little less on him, a little bit more on on the manager yep. he's got yep. this more and that to me makes me think heel even though they, they didn't really do necessarily anything that heelish on the show but again they were speaking to me in a way that i understood and it was enough for me to get it and yes he was a, it was a great match so yes so or yes no. did it make sense that the impact championship was being defended on aew um Yes, only because I'm aware that these companies have these um, relationships that let them move things. The fact that Kenny Omega came out with four belts um, and they all were, you know, they had different promotions all over them. Yeah, it, it was a little weird, maybe. But again, commentary sold it. 
And the thing that I actually liked about it, when I thought about it a little bit more, um, Christian coming out winning that thing, even though Christian, again, ostensibly is an AEW guy, since they must have some sort of um, you know, talent-sharing uh, business mm-hmm. arrangement going on, well, it, to me, actually, when I thought about it a little bit more afterwards, it makes perfect sense to put that belt on Christian Cage. He's an old school TNA champion. He's an old school Impact yep. champion. Like he, yep. to bring him back and to put the title on him is a total nostalgia play um, for the history of that company. So, in a lot of ways, that makes sense. It's not just a random thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. The the complaint I heard, because of course everything's got to have a complaint. The complaint I heard was that Kenny Omega was supposed to put over some, you know, current impact star and give him the belt. And I'm like, but just because of what you said, if you do that with Christian Cage, an actual for like I remember we watched, I think, when Christian Cage made his impact debut. I seem to recall watching that. Um you know, it means just as much, if not more, because now you've got a guy who's got the history of the title. And can't and can't you just see whoever's in charge over at Impact bringing Christian Cage in as their champion with that history behind it, and you know that videotape collection that they've got that they can now draw yeah. upon? Like at some point, like that is a good business decision. Even if it's not the obvious, you know, let's build up a young guy that yep. can happen later. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, yes or no. Uh, Rampage was. It, it benefited Rampage to be only 60 minutes long. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think if it had been two hours, you wouldn't have enjoyed it as much? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I was only planning on watching one segment and I watched all three. So something tells me. Maybe I, I would have stuck around for the whole thing. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Which brings me to my final question. Yes or no. Will you be watching episode two? Well, given all the flurry about it, um, I don't think there's much of a there's I don't think there's there's much chance that I won't. Now, admittedly, I'll probably be watching it the day after. So all the spoilers yeah. will have spoiled. So. If that well, thing it, doesn't happen, I mean, maybe I won't watch it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think I probably will because I enjoyed the first episode. Interestingly enough, you made a case for the benefit of spoilers. You, you probably would not have watched if you didn't know that Christian Cage was going to win the title. But the fact that you knew made you tune into the match and you wound up enjoying it. Correct. And again, so, the thing I was really surprised about was, was the commentary and how well they did explaining because that's always been my I, I think my my complaint I have when I talk about other promotions or trying to get into things is a lot of times I turn it on. I don't know who I'm watching. I don't know why I'm watching it. You know, it's like we're not talking about, you know, turning on progress or or any number yep. of other smaller promotions. I never know what's going on or why it's going on. Yep. They did a great job. If you have never seen AEW. And that was your first show. They did a great job of letting you know who the main players are in their men's division and in their women's division and letting you know why you should care and giving you just enough hooks that you probably want to check out another show. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, 
I, I would not think a four-person commentary team would work. I just would assume they would be stepping all over each other, but I'm glad to hear that that was not the case. They were uh, a little bit, but sure, it worked well enough. All right. Um, so you watched uh, Rampage. You might watch episode two of Rampage. Will you be watching Saturday night? Saturday. Saturday night. WWE SummerSlam. Oh, no. I'd say there's almost 0% chance of that. You're not even going to start it and try to get into it? I doubt it. I, I couldn't tell you one match that's on it. Well, that's why I'm here, Doc. Oh, that's why well. I'm here. Well, well maybe uh, we'll see how and, and, my and, tune changes once and I... And yes, you could. Yes, you, I bet you could know uh, because we have talked about the fact you're going to get... We'll start off at the top. You're going to get Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Great. You are going to get Bobby Lashley versus Bill Goldberg. Great. You are going to get Nikki A.S.H. versus Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. Great. You're going to get Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. Yeah, that one I have no interest in. Uh, you are going to get the Usos defending their tag team titles Pass. against. <laughs> I don't care who it is. The Usos uh, are terrible. The end. You, you are going to get Edge versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, I don't care about that. You are going to get uh, Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. Huh. <laughs> I like right. that that's, that's the one that got you. Uh, you're going to get Sheamus versus Damian Priest. I, I don't think I know who Damian Priest is, unless he's the one with Scarlet. No, that's Karrion Cross. Did, okay. you watch the, did you watch the zombie lumberjack match? Yes. Do you know who Punishment Martinez is? <laughs> Are they related to Mercedes Martinez? I don't believe so. But but no? either way, I, I think you I think you might know who Damian Priest is. Uh you're going to get to watch AJ Styles and Omos, the tag team champions, against RK Bro. Yeah, pass. And finally. Although I'm sure there's going to be more matches, but there's 10 scheduled. Uh, you are going to get Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie. Great. Um, and is, um, I can't remember what they're calling her, Donut going to be representing <laughs> Eva Marie? What's her name? I forget what her name is. It's like one name, isn't it? It's like one word. It's Dewdrop, not Donut. <laughs> Piper Niven. Piper Niven. We apo I apologize on behalf of DDT Wrestling. I'd like to, to I didn't mean apologize it in an insulting way. I just I couldn't remember what the name was. What was her name? Chocolate croissant. <laughs> Donut Raspberry and Dewdrop is not that far off. I'm oh sorry. Oh my god. Honeydew right. is a type of donut. That's suppose, probably where it um, went. All right. Uh, so maybe. Maybe SummerSlam isn't for you. Will you be watching on Sunday night when we get NXT TakeOver? Oh, yeah. No, no chance of that. Especially not with, you know, all the news about how NXT is going back to the pre-Triple H era like we talked about last week. Um, you want me to get excited about NXT telling me that your long-term, short-term plans are to go back to pushing big guys with no talent and using it as purely developmental. Yeah. That's not going to get me to tune in and watch that product. Not at all. But, but you're going to get carrying cross versus Samoa Joe. 
I don't care. But you're going to get Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. I, I don't know who that is. I know who Walter is, but... You're going to get Raquel Gonzalez versus Dakota Kai. Uh, uh, Bailey Light, yeah? Not okay. well, now she's a heel, but you're going to well, get so LA Knight. True. You're going to get LA Knight, otherwise known as Eli Drake, versus Cameron Grimes in a match where if Cameron Grimes loses, Ted DiBiase must become LA Knight's butler. I don't know who Cameron Grimes is, but I will say every time I hear the name Grimes, I think of that Simpsons episode um, with that guy, Grimes, grimy, Greg Grimes. Greg? I don't know if it's Greg. The guy that Homer ends up murdering. Oh, okay. From the earlier seasons. I just remember that's Frank Grimes. Frank? I think it's Frank Grimes. Yeah. Anyway, that's what it makes me think of. What's his name? Something Grimes? Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. Trevor Lee. Trevor Lee, if you remember him from Impact, though that might be even past your time. Uh, And then we're going to get Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole in a two out of three falls match. I thought Kyle O'Reilly was released. No, Bobby Fish was released. I don't know the difference between those two people. Okay. So what you're telling me is you're turning into an AEW guy. That's what I'm hearing. I'm not turning into an AEW guy on purpose. um, But the fact that they actually have some names I know and care about and love it. Admittedly, I'm looking through it with rose tinted glasses, right? Um, But the, like the one, the one thing that you said on SummerSlam that legit has me interested um, is Roman Reigns versus John Cena. And it's not because of Roman Reigns. It's just because I want to see what John Cena is going to do um, after all this time away from the ring. Um, whether that's you know WWE as it happens to be, or if it were somewhere else, I think that might be uh, one of those hooks that would incline me to check out the show. And I, and, you know, I may very well check out that match from SummerSlam, but I will also say that hearing the rest of that card and knowing the way that they present their product and that knowing their um, you know, their, their production packaging and, and their commentary teams. I think it's very unlikely I'll, I'll stick around for that whole show. Um, that's well, the thing I will say about the one thing about the commentary teams of the WWE that I, I think I should stress, especially in relation to what I just said about AEW is they have some good commentators, right? They've got people who can talk and are very well informed. I mean, I don't even know who's currently on their commentary teams, but I, in the past, in the recent past, I've enjoyed hearing Beth Phoenix. I've enjoyed hearing um, um, Ace Ventura. What's his name again? Uh, Corey Graves. Corey Graves. I like Corey Graves. <laughs> but I will say, it's been a problem with them for a while now. The Adventures um, of Ace Ventura and Donut, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think, honestly, is a problem with WWE for a long time now is there's something, and I think I've said it on the show before, there's something wrong with the way they mix the commentary audio with the matches. It, it, there was something about it where Jim Ross's voice cut through in some way, and you could hear Jim Ross because of the quality, the tenor of his voice. Um, mm. Most people I find on their commentary get lost in the noise um, I think um, Mamma Mia, that guy, did a good job of cutting through as well. What was his name? Mauro Ronaldo. Mauro Ronaldo. I thought he did. It. He was somebody who was eminently listening and listenable to. In that his voice, I felt like cut through um, the noise of their production. But I find that a lot of the people they have on commentary 
just fade into the background for me. And I don't know, honestly, if it really is something about the audio and my ears. I do have, I, th- I do, I've said it before. I think I have trouble processing some auditory information input in some ways. So that might be part of it. But I also think it has something to do with the things that they say and how forgettable it always is and how little information they're usually conveying that they just get tuned out, just like those video packages. Um, And that's a big problem going back to these WWE shows. Because again, I've tried to tune into a pay-per-view here or there, but there's nothing that gets me hooked. You know what I mean? The action that's going on in the ring is usually ho-hum. Um, yeah, maybe there's some wrestle spooky that's caught my interest, but then there's nothing that's extending my interest into the next segment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They start playing a video package, which encourages me to just tune out. And then the next thing starts and I'm like, well, I'm done here. You know what I mean? Like there's some, there is something wrong to me about the way the, the way that they convey the product on WWE shows that is encouraging me to tune out. I think. Um, in a way that at least that first episode of Rampage didn't do. I'm not going to say AEW is great and they've got the best commentators in the world. For all I know, that was a one-time show. They were really trying to hook new viewers. They spent a lot of time putting together that commentary booth and running it and re-recording the... I have no idea what they what went into the commentary for that show. It's only 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. All their shows may not be like that. Maybe I'll watch my next one and I'll be like, I, I've lost the thread here. I'm done. Um, but that was, to me, that one episode anyways, was a class on how to do commentary yeah. in a meaningful way. Well, and I think, you know, I remember the conversations we had about Lucha Underground. Yes. And Lucha Underground, in addition to only being a 60-minute show, did a very good job both with commentary and with their <clears throat> vignettes and the little story elements of letting you know, here's who our characters are and here's what's going on, which is what you need for a first-time program. I think the issue that WWE runs into is they're like, most of you know who Sasha Banks is. Most of you know who Roman Reigns is. And I, for example, I like the video packages because I can kind of get a sense of what the story is since I'm not watching week to week. But I also understand they're not going in there being like, this is your, you know, in case this is your first show, you know, Roman Reigns calls himself the head of the table. He's the head of the table because blah, blah, blah. They just presume you have a working knowledge of their program and they move on. And but see, the the issue I have with that too is, for instance, I see a video package about Roman Reigns. And since they don't spend any of the time on that backstory, like I lose the context and I may be losing the context of the last 18 months or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like I see a video package with Roman Reigns and I see the Roman Reigns who came out after WrestleMania saying, this is my yard. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I don't see the growth that he's had where everybody is now saying Roman Reigns has finally come into his own. This character is great. He's finally moved beyond that stage and he's really the thing, the attraction in the WWE. Um, I don't get the proper sense of that. Having not watched week to week from those video packages, those video packages are here is the story that is happening now. 
And, so and the other frustrating part about that is, not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but you just keep bringing up good points. The frustrating part about that is they spend so much time on this is what the story is right now. And I know as soon as this pay-per-view is over, the story doesn't matter because none of their stories matter long term. Not as much. So they're spending time on something that doesn't matter at all. At least that's yeah. how I feel. Based I off think of like my experience. In, it, in the case of like, you know, I bet that Roman Cena package is going to be great. Um, but I don't think they're going to go into detail on, well, this is who Roman Reigns has become. You know, let's imagine you were watching when the shield happened. And then let's say the shield broke up. And soon after that, you stopped watching for whatever reason. And now you're back. No one's going to catch you up on. Here's what Roman's been up to these last five years. Um, you know, the, the, the video packages are on the stories. AEW from the sounds of it told you the story, but they also made sure to know Here's who Kenny Omega is. Here's who Christian Cage is. You might know Christian, you know, you recognize Christian. You watched him back when he was with the brood. You watched him for 20 years now. But here's what Christian Cage means to us. Here's who Britt Baker DDS is for us. Here's the important information you need to know right now. WWE, from the sounds of it, has no interest in that. And that goes back not to turn this into a different a conversation topic, but I posted something on Twitter the other day about exceeding expectations and how AEW has a very difficult job coming up because everyone is expecting CM Punk and Daniel Bryan to show up and everyone is expecting them to both do incredibly important things. And if one of them doesn't show up or if they don't do something important, like there's going to be a, a number of people who are disappointed no matter what happens. Yes. And so that's a no-win situation. It, it absolutely is. WWE has put themselves in a situation where they're like, we, I think what they've done is we have no expectations. We expect you to keep paying us $9.99 a month, or now they expect you to keep paying Peacock, whatever the price is. Uh, by the way, I still have commercials, but that's a different argument. Um, I, I have a feeling this is going to be like the PlayStation friend request. I'll mention it every week, and it'll never happen, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> well, we should have a, a real conversation about it because because it actually suffers. I remember now, but it suffers from the same thing that always happens on this show. We we talk about it on the show, and as soon as we hang up at the end of this, I don't remember anything we talked about during. The All show. right, so people listening, when you listen to this, pause now and tweet at Doc Manson and just say, "Hey, remember to take commercials off of Peacock, please." And I will say also, like. You know, you again, you raise a very reasonable point about the WWE video packages. I don't mean to be overly negative Nancy on them. Um, like, I get it. There's a lot of history with some of these characters, and they can't put together a video package every single time that leads me by the nose through the last five years of this guy. I get it. Like, that's yeah. fair. Um, but you know, you do run up against that old adage. Like, you know, we talk about it in podcasts and comic books and whatever, like every episode is somebody's first episode. They have to do enough to get you hooked, to keep you going. And that's to me, it's below that line for me. But sure. I, again, I recognize that for different people, it might be perfectly fine. I remember when the WWE network was coming out. And I said then, and I have said multiple times over the years, I wanted it to be a visual, a video encyclopedia. 
So you're watching, you're watching SummerSlam and, you know, Dominic Mysterio comes out and you go, I remember Ray Mysterio. And isn't this, isn't this the kid from the Eddie Guerrero? And like, you can click something and it will take you to a video package, not something you need to read. People aren't going to read, but it takes you to a two minute video package that is like, we saw him here when Eddie and Ray fought over custody. Now he wants to be a pro wrestler and you see him training and you see like, and you know, yes, you lose the fact of, you know, you might lose watching it live because you've taken this little detour, but it would give you a chance. You know, if you're watching right now, and this is the point that you were making or that I was making, you can't say, oh, who's this Randy Orton guy? I don't have two hours to sit you down and say, this is what Randy Orton's done his entire career. Right. You know, but they need to do a better job. And maybe, maybe in NXT that will start happening because you need to explain who Odyssey Jones is. You need to explain who Carmelo Hayes is. But see, the problem with NXT to me is since I now know that they're moving in this direction of building stars from the ground up, developmental, pure developmental. Um, yeah. What you're telling me is you're going back to the days of Leo Kruger, where you're going to have this guy come out with a gimmick and it's not going to work for six weeks and you're going to take him off of television. Then he's going to be back with a completely different character. You're going to take him off. And it's like nothing matters anymore because it's all developmental. It's all we're going to keep throwing him against the wall until we find something that works. It's not actual product that's meant to be consumed if that's really what you're going back to. Well, and people are saying, I may have mentioned this last week, people are worried this is going to be the last takeover because FCW did not have pay-per-views. Right. You know, NXT had NXT arrival. The network existed, so they decided to put something up. But at that point, you had Sami Zayn and Cesaro was part of it. Like, it was already changing. Right. So if if they're going to Pure Developmental, they announced this week, they're going back to pre-taped. They're not doing a live show. So they've just decided, you know what, we're, we're scrapping all of that. And, you know, I'll watch because I enjoy seeing the, I like watching the developmental stuff, but it does, yeah, it is going to change things. But at least then when they have a, you know, when Odyssey Jones is main event ready, hopefully they'll be able to tell his story and let you know who he is. But that's the issue. And this is, again, wouldn't it be great if they just decided we're, taking you know part of the we're taking half the roster off tv for six months and another thing that i really liked also sorry just made me think of this when i was watching AEW. it's a little thing um but it's again it's sort of in stark contrast to the wwe who pretends the rest of the world doesn't exist when christian cage Mm -hmm. came out i you know his placard comes up with his name and one of the things that AEW does is they, they keep track of wins and losses, right? So there's that information. But there was also um, something, I forget exactly what the numbers were, but it was like eight-time world champion, parentheses, twice in impact wrestling. You know what I mean? So like they surfaced the information that was relevant to the title being defended, even though it wasn't their company. And they also let me know, without being specific, that this guy has won six other titles in other promotions. And again, yeah. it's, it's a television. You can't be specific. You don't have enough room on the screen to give me all that. Well, two of them were in WCW and four, like whatever. But you let me know this guy is a big deal even outside of your company. 
which is a little thing, but goes a long way to selling it. Yeah. WWE, I remember WWE did that for Sting. Mm. When Sting had his brief run. And I'm like, you can't pretend Sting wasn't Mr. WCW. Right. And they, but then again, they also owned WCW. So they At could that do point, that. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. You know, when AJ Styles showed up, they did not say he is a, I don't believe they said he's a multi-time world champion. They said he wrestled. That's what they say. They're like, this guy's wrestled around the world and won championships everywhere he goes. Well, that could be, you know, could be anything's garage championship, or that could be the TNA world championship. So, and don't get me wrong in a row. That still could be what that AEW blurb meant, but the way they presented it. Made me feel like, no. oh, that's good information. I, I appreciate that uh, AEW, I, I've seen it. You know, they've done it with everybody. They, they are respecting people enough to be like, you know this is Aleister Black. You know it. We're going to even keep, let him keep his last name. This is now he's Malachi Black. But you know who this guy is. We're not going to pretend you don't. When Alistair Black showed up, they, with the exception of that UK championship where he came out as Tommy End, there was no mention of his career before that. None. And, you know, that is one of the conceits of WWE, believing that they are the only thing going and nothing else matters. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they poach their first talent from AEW, whether it's the Lucha Brothers or whether it's John Moxley coming back as Dean Ambrose or whomever, how they're going to address that. They won't. My assumption. Pro- probably. Dean Ambrose took some time off to have a baby. Babies. Yeah. I had, to, I had to just channel GQ for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. We miss you, GQ. We do. Uh, two weeks in a row of lengthy, deep wrestling discussion. What happens when I watch wrestling? What is happening (laughs) to this podcast? Uh, Podcast at ddtwrestling.com is where you can get your thoughts in. We read, we heard from Jeremy already. We have two from our bestest of the besties, Glenn, and one that came in while we were recording from Danielle. So let's get to Glenn's first one titled SummerSlam. Hi, guys. With SummerSlam coming up this Saturday, this week's question for discussion is, what is your favorite SummerSlam match or moment from the past? As I'm sure all the listeners know by now, mine was the whole experience of SummerSlam 92 at Wembley Stadium. Thanks, as always, Glenn. Um, can, can, you, can you name a match that you know for sure happened at a SummerSlam? I don't know for sure that this was SummerSlam. But wasn't there the match made in heaven and hell with um, yes, the, the, the marriage right. of, of Macho Man and Elizabeth? And then he had a match yep. with Jake the Snake. I think so. I don't know if that was match happened there. No, it was Jake and Taker was backing him up. I think that was, I think it was that whole him interfering and Jake interfering with the wedding that is what wound up causing Taker to turn babyface. Um, good pull. I also think that was the match where it was like I think was Zeus part of it. It was like some handicap match. It was like Hogan and the Warrior versus like four. Could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, uh, SummerSlam 92 comes to mind at, you know, Brett versus Bulldog. Um, 
Bret Hart's going to show up a lot in mine, of course. Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, SummerSlam 91. Bret Hart versus Owen in the cage, SummerSlam 94, which also featured Undertaker versus Undertaker. Oh, yeah. The Leslie Nielsen, Leslie the Nielsen. Whole Leslie Nielsen thing. Uh, the only recent SummerSlam match that I can vividly recall is Brock Lesnar versus John Cena, where Brock just beat the crap out of him for mm, 10 minutes. Mm, that was a good one. But, you know, every so often I think I should go back and just watch the SummerSlams, and I'm like, eventually I'll get to them. But, yeah. All right, Glenn, you have another one. Uh, an invitation. Last Sunday was episode 45 of a piece of business podcast. And Jeremy at and Glenn at GA WrestleNut would formally like to invite DC Matthews and Doc Manson to join us for episode 50. When we started, it was due to you both and the support of the besties that kept us going and think it would be a fitting celebration to have you both on the show. How do you pronounce that hashtag? Or I'm sorry, that handle. It took me a minute to figure it out as well. EPL, English Premier League, and NFL, National Football League. So EPL and NFL. Can I just call Epland NFL? Epland? Yeah. Epland NFL. Epland NFL. All right, Jeremy, Epland NFL. Better than Uh, Ethan Whatever I said first. So (laughs) just letting you know, in, in five weeks or so, you're going to have to do multiple podcasts if you accept the invitation, of course. Can't you just represent the show for us? <clears throat> I will happily represent the show, but I do think it would be better if you were there. I agree. And I, yeah, I, I, lo- I look forward to that. Thank you for the invitation, guys. I actually, I, ju- I jest. I jest. That would be a lot of fun. They said it. I was listening the other day and they said something like 45 and I was like, they've been really doing it for 40. Holy crap. Uh, Our final email comes from Danielle. Phone contacts. Hello. My smart car's windshield has now been repaired from the hailstorm earlier this year. Three months past the original repair date. Yay. And tomorrow, I'll get to take my car into the car shop for them to repair the right side shocks and bearings at a cheaper cost than at the car dealership which all of these repairs will be done just in time for the fall semester as a university student and teacher. It's the week of SummerSlam, and I want to hear y'all's predictions. Too bad. To answer last week's discussion, I add first and last names and contacts, as well as having them categorized in a group option, such as family, job and career, university class name, etc. Interesting. For my mother's contact, I have her listed as mom in capital letters, and she's on my favorite list. Do you guys still use speed dial? I don't, but favorites are almost the same thing. Do they still have speed dial as an option on cellular telephones? Couldn't tell you. Haven't used it in years, if so. My phone has a second copy of all these numbers due to previous backups. For that reason, I've been working through removing the copied contacts as well as removing contacts I no longer need. I will hopefully be able to start substitute teaching next week, so this week's question is for our listeners and for you guys. What advice would you give teachers and substitute teachers for this academic year? How can substitutes be more prepared for classes and the changing student demographics in the future of education? DC, what has been good and not-so-great interactions and workings you've had with substitutes? 
That's all I have for the week. Cheers at Danielle Sully 19. P.S. Is the redacted DDT shirt still available online? I definitely want to purchase some DDT merchandise. Starting with the last question first. Um, The redacted shirt never actually went up for sale. Um, but But the merch with the three hosts is still for sale merch.ddtwrestling.com and I really should take that down at some point and put the redacted up I suppose um, but yeah at the moment well, that's all still there uh, merch.ddtwrestling.com thank you to those people who paused to at Doc Manson to remind him to upgrade our peacock please now pause and remind him to update the merchandise website as well that'd be great yeah, that'd be good. Um, I'm not going to do it. but uh, Danielle, let me tell you something. I very much enjoyed being a substitute teacher. Uh, I was a substitute teacher for three or four months after graduation. Uh, and then I got a long-term sub gig, which is, of course, better. But, you know, being a sub, waking up in the morning, it depends on, you know, I would was on the list for three or four districts. So I'd have a couple of phone calls in the morning. They'd have voicemails that said, you know, we need a sub in this district, in this building. We need a sub teaching third grade over here. And I got to pick and choose a, whether I wanted to go to work at all Hmm. and B, which, you know, um, where I wanted to work. That's not always the case. Sometimes you're a sub for a district and they expect you to say yes every day and you go where they tell you to go. Um, but I thought it was fun. It gives you a chance to see multiple grade levels, multiple classrooms, multiple teaching styles, bring a notebook so that as you're looking around the classroom, if you see an idea of something you would want to use in your classroom, write it down. Uh, so that way you can kind of borrow, you know, people's ideas for whether it's classroom management or a anchor chart that you like, all of that stuff is good. Um, working with subs I want a substitute who is not on their phone all the time, who did not bring, you know, yes, bring a book because there is downtime when you're a sub. You're not expected to grade anything. So there is some downtime. Uh, But I want a sub who is asking questions, who clearly wants to know what's going on and what the procedures are, especially in a time of COVID. Um, And, you know, I think... The best thing, oh, and final piece of advice, have in your back pocket three or four, five to 10 minute uh, activities, hangman, some sort of math game. Um, There's a game called Pico Fermi Bagel. Look that up. I don't like the title of it, but the game itself is kind of fun. Um, Something that, you know, you have 10 minutes to kill before the kids need to go to music you have something you can do with them besides like, all right, uh, grab a book, I guess. That's you know, a good have idea. Have a couple of things. Yeah. In your, That's a good idea. Have a couple of things in your, have a couple of things in your back pocket that you can pull out. You know, you finish the lesson early and you've got 20 minutes before the kids go home. Either you have a book that you're going to read to them or, all right, we're going to play this game. So that would be my, my advice. Do they have subs? In a in a TA setting, or do you just cancel class if you can't show up? In a TA setting, um, now you get coverage from a co TA or something like that. Um, can't just let go me, let canceling me, class. Let me change uh, her question then to be more appropriate to you. Um, what advice do you give to 
TA or what would you, would you give for TA? Somebody who is brand new to being a teaching assistant, brand new to being whether it's a lab TA or whatever. What what are you? What are the traits you're looking for? What advice would you give besides go home? I don't know. You got, you got nothing for me? All right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because, I mean, for the most part, you expect that they're just um, going to be professionals doing a job, which is, you know, for, is what it is. Um, it depends on the individual and what, what they need. You know what I mean? Um, most of them know the subject very well, even though I, I'm ostensibly sort of there as a subject matter expert that's supposed to be explaining the ins and outs of, of the procedures and concepts that they are supposed to be giving to the students. We don't spend much time on, in terms of educational theory or pedagogy or anything like that. Um, at the college level, don't get me wrong. That stuff can still be important. There are plenty of teaching, um, professors that do focus in on that stuff. Um, but particularly at research universities, um, that stuff kind of just fades into the background and it's, it's not a priority. Um, people are paying to be in those classes, so they'll learn it or they won't. And that's on them. Um, is sort of the, the generally accepted nonsense, I guess. I don't know that I, I, I personally don't agree with that. I think you, we do have to go out of our way to try to, you know, present information in different ways and, you know, that's the big one, really, um, having different ways to get the same information out there, explaining things in different ways for different people makes sense different ways, obviously. Um, you know, and for TAs, usually, again, although ostensibly I'm there to, to head them in the right direction with some of those conceptual things, for the most part, they know that material already. If they've made it to grad school, they've gotten a, a degree in a hard science. And for the most part, they, they, they're good with that. So the kinds of stuff I run into is more nervousness or I've never taught before. And, you know, in my setting, it's, you kind of just have to remind them of that sort of stuff for the most part. And it go, that that's the key, right? Well, you can't be that, um, flustered. You're going to know more than them. Yeah. No matter what they ask you, you can tell them something. Even if mm-hmm. that something is, oh, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Well, let, me, let, me, let me look into that. I will get back to you and then follow up. You know, be true to yeah. your word and actually follow up and get back to them, whether that's email or the next week. Say, hey, I looked into that thing you asked me about. You got to be engaged. You know, show them that you are interested in their questions. Um, those are, the, I think, the important thing from my perspective. Well, and, and I, what's interesting to me is a lot of what you just said is totally 100% applicable in the primary school setting, the engagement, the following up, the understanding that you're like, these kids are seven. (laughs) You can go in and pretty much talk about whatever you want. And they're going to be interested. You're an adult who chose to come spend time with them. You're amazing. (laughs) So, So, all right. Excellent questions. One and all, we will make sure to put our, out there to join the piece of business podcast for their 50th spectacular uh doc 
As I ask you every week, what is your piece of positivity? What's going on? What's going well? What's going good? What are you happy about? Uh, uh, I mean, today. I don't, I don't know if this was going to be my piece of positivity, but 48 minutes ago, uh, at the Chip Kayfabe tweeted out, uh, I just wanted to shout out at these DC Matthews and at Doc Manson for years now. They've been doing DDT week in and out, no matter how wrestling is, no matter how many different Oreo flavors there are to try slash not to try. They've always oh. been there. Always happy to see their success. That's a nice tweet, Chip. That's a very nice tweet. That's a very that's that is my piece of positivity <clears throat> as of this moment, having just read it as you were about to ask me for that. Oh my god. I, the cockles of my I, heart uh, are inflamed, DC. They have cream for that. Um I I want to go figure out all the flavors. Like now I'm like I'm like, we haven't done Norio t- it's been years. Uh uh I all right. I have two, though, of course, you know, we, we could just say that's the best one. I mean, it clearly you is. Know. What else you got? We got we got a tweet from from Glenn reminding everyone to email. I always appreciate when that happens because yes. I never remember to ask people. Uh, I have two. Um, one comes with a slight uh, down note. Um, that would be so. Are you familiar with the show QI? No. Quiz show of some sort, I think, but it is it is called stands for quite interesting. It is a UK panel quiz show originally hosted by Stephen Fry and now hosted by Sandy Toxvig of uh, the Bake Off. Yes, yes. Um, It's got four people. Uh, They ask very hard questions that obvious, you know, and you get points for an interesting answer or for actually being able to figure out the answer. And you lose points for uh, an obvious answer. And it's very much in that British comedy that you and I both appreciate. Uh, I had looked into it. I found, you know, you could pay for BritBox and get it. I happened to find a Daily Motion user who has uploaded quite a few. I don't know how many, but quite a few uh, seasons. So I watched the first series. Um, and I'm work- I started the second one yesterday. The dismal note is just today, one of the panelists, Sean Long, forgive me if that's not quite his name, but I believe that is, um, one of the panelists that I had seen in a couple of episodes and I will see in more uh, passed away today due to cancer at 58 years young, which was very sad. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually saw that he had passed away, not because of his involvement in that show, but he was just... In the article I saw, he was named as just a, a British comedian, but um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's too bad. Yep. But it is an entertaining show. It is nice. You know, it is uh, it's something nice to have on, you know, background. The problem is you put it in background and it's just multiple British accents. So it just sort of like I have to actually stare at the screen and watch it to try to figure it out. Uh, and the second one is uh, a comic book storyline from 2019, The House of X. It is an X-Men comic series. I won't go into detail. I'll just say if you're a fan of the X-Men, um, even if you didn't, haven't read the comics and you're just familiar with the, the movies, uh, if you get the chance, give it a read. It's been very entertaining so far. So those are my two pieces. Any other piece of positivity you want to mention? 
before we say our adieus. Any good horror movies lately? Eh, Have you been too busy for horror movies? I've been pretty busy. I mean, I've watched a few here and there. I finally got around to watching uh, Don't Breathe, which was a uh, horror movie from a few years ago. And of course, the second one just recently came out uh, this last week, I guess, in theaters, maybe on demand. I don't know. Um, That was good. That was good. Enjoyed it. Wasn't great, but it was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've been pretty busy with work, you know. Um, and I do think things are shaping up there uh, for that class I'm going to teach, which I'm excited about. We'll see how that goes. You know, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Back to work, kind of sapped. I don't know. So thanks, Chip. You really, it, you really cheered me up. Yeah, we are. We are lamenting, and again, very different situation. Like you mentioned last week, you hadn't been regularly going to work in a year and a half. We've got about a week and a half before we return. Um, and yeah, I, I I wish we wouldn't, but then again, I also wish the the positivity rate would stay low enough because there was oh. starting to be rumblings of you know, but if we can't start on time, what if we have to start remotely? Yeah, Danielle said if you had happen, any but... advice for this upcoming school year, very specifically, uh, wear a mask. That's my advice. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if you're not vaccinated, I, w- I would imagine we talk to a pretty vaccinated group. But if you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated. Uh, all right there, friends. Uh, thank you for joining us on two. At, it's either 239 or 242. I don't know. One of those numbers is right. 284. Right? <laughs> okay. I suppose I suppose that makes sense. 284. That's what I meant. Uh-huh. If you add 39 and yeah, 42, sure. yeah. you get a number uh, shockingly close to 84. Yep. Let me write that down. 284. Well, all right. It's been a fantastic episode. Uh, as always, Doc, thank you for taking the time. I did, I did want to make sure I gave you the opportunity to pass if you were busy because it is the first week back. Uh, I'm not going to ask anyone to pause right now. And at Doc Manson, remind him that we should record some pro wrestler rankings at some point. <laughs> not going me- to mention that. Um, but yes, uh, a fantastic conversation, as always. Doc Manson, anything else we'd like to say before we head out into that good night? We like to have your thoughts read on the air. You can do so by sending an email to podcast at ddtwrestling.com. And please do. Please do. I love getting emails from Jeremy and Glenn and Danielle. But. Um, if you're out there, right? if you're out there and you've <laughs> never written into this show, well, even if you have, but it's been a while, I want you to write in podcast at ddtwrestling.com. Let's, let's hear from some new voices. Tim, where, Tim, where'd you go, Tim? Yes. Tim John, Johnson. Mm-hmm. Tim Johnson. What you up Reap. to, Tim? If you um, like this episode, you can listen to our entire back catalog. You can do that at ddtwrestling.com or ddtpod.com. Of course, you could also go to your podcast repository of choice. And finally, if you like what you've heard and how could you, how could you, head on over to patreon.com forward slash ddtwrestling to send us a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It helps us keep the lights on and the podcast train a chugalugalugan. 
I can't wait to take these pants off in one smooth motion. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Thank you for joining us. Episode 284. How could I forget? Until we meet again, my friends. Won't you be our bestie?